Hello creatives, I hope you're doing well. Back again with another episode of the Don't Think Act podcast. This week I'm interviewing Gary Lawrence, who is an actor and a writer from London. We get chatting about inclusivity in theatre and on screen, censorship, and he has some acting research advice that absolutely blew my mind. That's what I'm going to say. This is such a great listen. Gary is so inspiring. And um, please just enjoy it. There he is. Here I am. Hey, man. How are you doing? All right. What's going on with you? You good? Yeah. Yeah, good. Thanks. I just said, <laughs> I've got my earphones were upstairs. So I had to run and get them. And um, now I'm out of breath because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, who have you who have you got with you joining us today? Another another pet on the podcast. I like this. We're getting them all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. She just gets in everywhere. She's um twelve years old tomorrow. Wow. I've had her since she was three months old now. She's almost twelve. So yeah, she knows me. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember you talking about her actually last time we uh we met up which was a few years back. Yeah. Yes, yeah, great. I mean, seriously, through the pandemic. Well great she went out more times than I did, sure, but a really good companion, you know. Just not for Christmas. Yeah, man. Or the long haul. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing? What's going on? Uh oh, a little bit of everything. Um taking a break from acting. Uh for so many so many reasons, just because um just got overloaded and it was the only thing I could take a break from. Um but then uh I was like, well I've got to do something creative. So uh I started this <laughs> and that's taken over my life. <laughs> it's 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 funny, it's uh <clears throat> I mean when you take her I know I met you in an acting class and all the rest of it, and when you take her as you just said you take a break from that and you discover something else when you go back to acting that kind of gives it a a, a lift you know it gives it you you noticeably will feel a second wind yeah yeah and i'm i'm already feeling that stirring although it's not going to happen yet but i'm already feel like I'm going to be a lot more focused. I'm going to be a lot more switched on. I'm going to be a lot more dedicated. Totally, totally. I mean, I I kind of feel the same way. I, I took some time out and I um, started writing with a really good friend of mine, Dougie Brimson, and wrote one feature that got made. We're in the middle of doing another one, just waiting for the finance to be in place. But... Yeah, yeah, and then um, when I went back to acting projects, I did feel a lot more focused because it's it's like you I've stopped and I've just stepped behind the camera to see how it all goes on. And who does what? You're doing that. You're doing that. Fine. How about you? Fine. And then I've come back on the other side with that knowledge.
You are listening to the Don't Think Act podcast with Ed Ismail. We're here to talk about your acting journey and or your creative journey as well. <laughs> and okay. uh, I, uh, I I always start at the beginning. So where were you born? Islington. Nice. And where do you live now? Muswell Hill. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what was it like growing up in Islington? In Islington. <clears throat> when I was born there, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in, um, oh. I grew up early years in Tottenham, Crouch End, Hornsey, those sort of years. And yeah, it was, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it wasn't fun. I mean, um, things were different. Um, I, I can't, I, I don't agree when people say, oh, things were easier and simpler. Well, I, I nothing to mark it, to measure it against. So there's only now, you know, retrospectively, I can look back and say, oh, yeah, well, I like that period, or I'm so glad that period's over, or that period, I'd love to live that again. Um, it was, I mean, growing up in, in Hornsey in the, uh, seventies, eighties. It was, it was different. I mean, there's that at that point, you know, we're talking about the, the London riots that were mm -hmm. kicking off Brixton and places like that. And there's a lot of tension, a lot of, um, mistrust, sorry, distrust between, um, police and ordinary folk still yeah. exists today. Yeah. You know, still exists today. It's getting better in some places in some respects, but it still exists. <clears throat> um, and obviously being black, um, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of tension. And as far as even, you know, acting heroes, there were virtually next to none around. Mm. You know, the Potiers and Jim Browns and, Things like that. Great. There was no one really uh, from the UK side of things. Yeah. So yeah, it was tough. And um, so how did how did acting sort of first come to you then? Was it early in your life or? <clears throat> yeah, it was. It was um, doing. I I, <laughs> I I started doing this thing in school of. Uh, talking way too much, more than I actually should do, <laughs> and getting told off by teachers and what have you. And then um, I knew that, say, parents' evening was coming up fast. So I would um, 
be at home and I'd write many stories and essays and things like that, literally all day Saturday, all day Sunday, all the time. Give it to the teacher and you know, about two, three weeks before periods even, give it to the teacher, so the teacher will put it up on the wall. And, and, and that was like the focal point. And that kind of distracted ever so slightly from the fact that <laughs> when he's not doing that, he's like, <laughs> Um, and, and I started doing it in small groups after school and what have you. And when, I think when I was about 11, I went to Mountview, uh, theatre school. They're doing like a, uh, once or twice a week for young kids, teenagers, that type of thing. And that's where I, um, really started to enjoy what I was doing when I was, you know, taking part in um i stopped i started working as you do you know what have you and uh i remember one day my brother was having a, a party at home and i wasn't doing anything in particular so i was hanging about and was just helping out and sampling the kids food you know pineapple hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that anyway I was helping out the best I could. And come the end of the party, there's a, a woman who came in and um to pick up her kid. And uh I vaguely recognized her. And uh, as soon as she went, mum was like, No, that was Do you remember the um commercials, OXO commercials on TV, the OXO family? Linda Bellingham, it was her. I was like, wow. So <laughs> sent my brother into school on a Monday and uh yeah, in the playground, hanging about with all the parents and what have you, and then put them inside. And I then saw Linda and I spoke to her and I said to her, Sorry, you know, I vaguely recognize you, but mum told me that you were that woman from TV, do yeah. Oxo commercials. My, she was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah, <laughs> I am, yeah." And I said to her, "Well, you know, I used to do a bit of acting when I was younger, yeah." And she said to me, "Why did you stop?" And it was honest to God, it was it was that moment that everything stopped, stood still, and it was a question that we. We will all have these moments throughout our lives. It was one of those moments whereby you truly have not got an answer for her question. Literally, and it seemed like an eternity that just went past and in reality is probably 20 seconds, give or take, but didn't have an answer. And then she said, okay, look, if you ever want to start again, here's my number, here's my agent's number, Hit us up, give us a shout. We'll put you on the right path. What what age were you at this point? Oh God, I was I think I was early twenties. Hmm. Early twenties, no more than twenty-two, twenty-three. Because my brother was way, way, way younger. He's about fifteen years younger than me. Um so that was about, about, yeah, about 23, I think. 
And I kept in touch with her. You know, she's a, she was a wonderful woman, fantastic person. I've got many handwritten letters from her that we, you know, <laughs> who handwrites letters these days? Mm-hmm. Next to no one. But we beat handwritten letters and everything. It was just fantastic. And the, the funny thing is I was doing a show called Elmina's Kitchen in, um, 2005. And, uh, we toured it up and down the country for about two months. And then we took it into the West End for three months. And on the last night, well, the, in the last week, on a Thursday night before we finished, um, they had arranged a, a meal for us at um, Joe Allen's. So I was in there with Joe Allen's with the rest of the cast and crew, and we're having a great time, great food, and it was just lovely. It, it, it felt lovely to have a release from the tour itself and from the old production. Fantastic. So I was sat there at the table, chatting, drinking, and I looked over at the bar. There was Linda. I went bowling over to her and said, Oi, madam. She's like, Gary, come in. And it, it was a wonderful moment um, because it really did feel full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, from my beginnings, meeting her and her helping me and us exchanging letters and keeping in touch. And then me doing my thing and her doing her thing and then coming back, bang. She couldn't come and see the show though because she was doing a show at the same time. And obviously we finished that week. So there you go. But yeah, that was that really. And uh, looking back now, um, with hindsight and, you know, uh, you, all your experience, everything, do you, do you feel like you've got an answer as to why you stopped? For- at that time? No. 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 And in many respects, I I kind of, I acknowledge that period. I acknowledge uh, what happened or why I just took time out. Hmm. Acknowledge all of that because it it, it happened. Hmm. Oh, I can't turn and say, no, well, you know, deny it. It happens. But Importantly, it's pushing me forward now. So I'm, I'm not going to question it too much. Don't worry. I, I know exactly what it's all about. And, um, I'm very grateful for that period, mm. but even more grateful that that period has put me in this position right now. Talking to you for the cat side of it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't ask for more than that, can you? Yeah, wow. Life's all about. <laughs> and um so once once you wanted to get once you wanted to get back on the horse, so to speak, um yeah. what what did you do about getting more experience or training? What was your next steps? Um I went about uh I found a coach, uh a fantastic guy who's once again he's no longer here. Uh, called David Bennett. David Bennett was an American director and he was also an acting coach and he was handpicked by Strasbourg to train at the Institute back in the day. Wow. And yeah, David was 
Now that, that's for, for our listeners, that's Lee Strasberg, isn't it? From That's correct, Lee Strasberg. Yeah. yeah. And David was a he was he did act, but he found his forte in coaching. Coaching was what he was fantastic. He was so he could not fuck about, excuse my French, he could not mess about. You, he was so he had eyes like a hawk. He knew what you were doing before you knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to come in terms of these, you know, we had a lot of downtime. Um, I used to go over and see him with, with my, my then girlfriend and, um, he used to tell us these wonderful stories of, oh, he was in a bar and he was sitting having a few drinks with this guy and Robert Mitchum and then, Montgomery Cliff coming in the bar and then they used to like get in the show. Um, it's just, oh, and you know, he's, he's like, oh yeah, well, I was talking to this black actor about, about he was transitioning from TV to movies and I was giving him some, some advice and da da da. And I'm like, well, who is this guy? He goes, oh, um, Washington, Washington, right. <laughs> That guy. <laughs> it's, uh, it, <laughs> he was awesome, though. Absolutely awesome. I I wasn't, I'm being honest, I didn't know my own father very well. And David kind of filled in the blanks, but in a, in a very, very healthy way, so I'm well aware that to have uh, an intense relationship with your acting coach, you need to set boundaries. Da, da, da. Yeah. But David was absolutely cool. He understood all of this, and so did I. So it was fine. It was absolutely fine. But yeah, miss him massively, massively. But yeah, he was huge. And then I found uh, another coach in Bernie Pitt, which is how I met you. Yeah. But as I said, the coach that really got me going was Mr. David Bennett. Now you'd go and see him, you'd go and see him before you have an audition, if you're just for a bit of advice or, or have you all run the audition piece with him. This was in the days before, um, self tape became the norm. Hmm. So, um, he was very, very, very old school. And, and, and proud of him. How how long did you work with him for? Eight nine years, wow. something like that. And how regularly would you meet with him? Well, class was once a week. Mm-hmm. As David and I were friends, we were like, if we weren't, if I wasn't in class, I was obviously rehearsing with whoever I was doing the work with, or I'd swing past his place at weekends and say hi, take him out for lunch, that type of thing. Um, or we'd be on the phone all the time. And it'd always be the type of thing that, um, he'd phone to ask for a, a question of, um, he can't work out his mobile phone or something like that. And so, all right, yeah, I'll talk to him. On the phone. And then it would be like hour and a half, two hours later. And David was such a character. He didn't like, um, he wasn't too keen on winters here whatever reason. Uh, and so 
around about Christmas time, he would take off and go to see some of his friends in LA. And he'd be there from Christmas through till about mid-March. Mm-hmm. But in, in that, during that time, he would say to us, look, uh, why don't you all come over to LA for a couple of weeks? I'll put on a couple of classes. We'll hang out. I'll introduce you to Santa and da 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 And that's what we did. It was like every Christmas he would disappear and we'd go to LA and train with him and then come back. And then he'd come back in March and then class would start again. That's not what to like. It was fantastic. Really, really good. What's, um, what differences did you notice about LA and here? From an acting point of view. The old adage that you can throw a stone <laughs> in LA and, and it would hit an actor. <laughs> Absolutely. Every every bartender, every maid, every hmm. waiter, every waitress. Yeah. But that's fine. That's what you expect. Hmm. You absolutely expect that. Um there was a lot, a lot of guys over there were very, um, very open and very, I like to think that they were putting down the beginnings of what we have now and the fact that they were very welcoming. A lot of people were saying, Oh, don't ever go to America unless you've got something to do or have you. Yeah, that's true because you do need to have your papers in order, you know, your O1 visa or whatever these you working with a green card you do need to have all of that in place or you will not even be given the time of day right those that is a bare minimum if you want to go over there if you want to work with these guys you want to hang out with these guys them, sort that out and then that'll open up the whole world over here whereas here it's it's tough I'm not going to lie. This industry is extremely tough, uh, brutal. Mm. Um, there did seem to be, uh, as I said, a lot more of a open arms scenario or feeling in LA than there was here. But here, I mean, here they're doing some outstanding work. Here. We, we were producing some very good actors across the board, male, female, you, whatever, it doesn't matter. The, the, the talent and the focus is is here now. Hmm. It's great. I love being a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's never, It's. I think the, the talent from the British acting industry has never stopped being such a uh, an influence and having an impact in America. Hmm. Like uh, a lot of people end up over there. And not even, not even just like, not even Hollywood, not even the big stuff. Um, in, independent film, um, people are breaking out in over there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I'm, and a lot of British actors tend to end up playing key figures in American history as well, which I find fascinating. You know, you got, like, I was going to say, you've got like Daniel Day Lewis playing Abraham Lincoln, you've got, uh, David Yellower playing Martin Luther King. You've got, you know, yeah. a, another one. Yeah, we uh, like we own all their superheroes, but all their superheroes have been played by Brits. Uh, like, so 
Um, and bad. the best, and no matter what anyone says, all right, the best villains yeah. are British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they what, are. That's what Gary Oldman did. He carved his, <laughs> his name American by playing. Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman. Yeah. Um, the best villains are British. Yeah. Was... Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting. I was I've had a couple of guests from Australia one, and um, uh, I've always asked them like, you know, what. What's going on in Australia? Like, what is in the water there? Because you're producing like such A-grade talent that are, are going to America that, and they're infiltrating. Like, I find out years later that this person is Australian. I've been watching them in either something on TV or in films. Like, and yeah. and I think we we kind of have the same effect. And um, it's it's interesting because I, I I've heard you know just purely hearsay on my part from people things people have told me, including yourself. It's like uh, Hollywood or LA seems to be a place in which they they will give anyone a chance. Like they are not like they're not so close like they are over here. Whereas it's, it's yeah. all about who you know, and there's a you know there's a whole elitist hierarchy thing going on here, and it's and it's literally a business for the rich, um, uh, uh, you know, on the surface at least. But um, yeah, uh, have you does, have you thought about have you gone to LA and, and spent some time over there to try and get acting work, or is that something you thought about? No, I haven't. Um, I haven't done the visa thing just yet. I do want to see. Well, this is not a a, a copping out excuse or anything like that. It's just the way I'm wired. I. I look at it like I want to bring some very good work to the table. Hmm. You know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm invited out to dinner, I won't just turn up and expect to be fed. I will bring something to the table. I will bring a bottle of red or a bottle of wine or maybe one of each, but I will bring something. And I look, I, I treat America, uh, or at least I look on the whole the whole thing in much the same aspect. I will go out there and I will um, work and I will do X, Y, Z and I'll meet people and what have you. Um, I want to do a few more bits of very good work to bring out there say, look, I'm here. This is what I can do. Mm. This is what I've co-written. This is what I've co-written. Bring it. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's, I don't think that's cop out at all. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people say, I mean, a lot of people actually said things to me like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. You should just, you know, that may never happen. Just go and see. And da, da, da. Whilst I'm getting jobs here, I'm getting work here, I'm, I'm meeting people here, and I'm, I'm having a fantastic time here. Up sticks and going through America like that is a bigger deal than somebody saying, oh, you should just go. Yeah. Yeah, come on, man. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I was going to say, it's, it's. I think as, um, as you get older, you've got more responsibilities and more, more people to think of. I think when you're young, like if you're in your 20s, and, you know, go for it. Why not? There's nothing to lose. And that's the thing. It's like, you don't have to, it's not a one-time thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. As far as I'm concerned, there is no time limit. Yeah. 
Absolutely. No one, you know, show me where it's written down that you have to achieve all of this by the time you're 35 or you're There is that acting is life. Life is people. People is everyone. Mm. In in whatever field or, or category you wanna you wanna place that, it is absolutely everyone. And there is no time limit. It's your time limit. You set your own limits. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. If you're happy to go so far, fine. No one can argue with that. You want to go up here? Go on, off you go. Keep going. You set your own limits. And don't let anyone ever tell you, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't do And another thing, always get advice from someone who's actually done what you want to do. Mm. Not from him or her who hasn't got a clue, but they mean well. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a, that is great advice. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, I'll send you an invoice. (laughs) It's, no, but it's so, it's so true. And, um, yeah, I think it's like you need to be chatting to people that are yeah doing what you want to do or have had some success in what you want to do or have, have yeah, been, yeah, seen even, some things. Even better. Even, yeah. even better. Even, absolutely even better. Uh, we've got, Doug and I got this this project going on now um, that we actually started in 2009, I think. Right. 2009 is now on the cusp of 2024 so that is coming up for 15 years Mm. and only now has it got some legs and it's training for for a marathon and it's getting moving and it's fantastic it takes that long yeah yeah fair enough you've been draft one draft two rewritten what have you but it takes time sometimes these things happen overnight Sometimes they don't. Yeah. So, but I was going to ask, um, did you start off by, uh, from, uh, from an acting point of view? Was it mostly stage you were doing when you first started? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's, it was all, all stage. I mean, it's, uh, easily accessible. Hmm. Uh, whether it was, um, um, a room above a pub anywhere it's yeah it's crazy my my first uh my first role i my first role was i remember i was in my my dressing gown and <laughs> i played a i played the burning bush <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, they were doing. I think this was round about. Uh, this was we were doing the whole Bible stories thing at school and the Ten Commandments, and I played the burning. I was burning bush, which was like, you know that that greeny grassy crap that um, greengrocers use. Yeah, fake yeah, yeah. grass yeah yeah that sort of thing over a chair and i was like Whoopsies, Whoopsies. <laughs> hilarious but yeah that was then um 
I've I've done shows everywhere. I mean, King's Head, everywhere, everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And now that you've done now since then, you obviously you've done quite a bit on screen. Is there one place you prefer to perform? Whilst whilst I, I absolutely adore film, the, the the process more than anything else, being on set, um, costume and everyone knowing what you're doing and it's a hive of activity and everyone's respectful and it's all fantastic. There's no better place to be on a, on a really good film set. But equally, when you've when you've got a really good play mm. and it's in a nice intimate space and this play is everyone is on their A game and you could feel the electricity in the air and it's live stage powerful cannot be beaten mm. it cannot be beaten I agree. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. But film is fantastic. Yeah. Love, love movies. I love movies, but uh, seeing a, a so seeing a great stage play is just you, you hands down. He's just fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and being in it is even better. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, and there's nothing that beats the unspoken connection that you have between yourself and an audience when you're on stage. That is, is it's electric. It's absolutely magic. electric. Yeah, yeah. I one of the best stage jobs I had was when I was doing the Kilmina's um, Kitchen. I was I was actually understudied for three roles. And I did manage to go on stage at one point. I got my hat trick. <laughs> I, was, I was on stage doing all three roles at one point. Uh, but it was at the time, things may have changed now, but at the time, it, the play was written by a black British writer. It features an all black cast and it was the first one to open in the West End. Wow. We're talking cast like Don Warrington, Oscar James, Sean Parks, Donna Kroll. It was those guys, Oscar James and Don Warrington. I used to sit on my mum's knee and watch Rising Damp with Don Warrington. I used to watch Oscar James do his stuff on my mum's knee. And the next thing I knew, I was on stage with these guys working like... Crazy, absolutely crazy. So, and, and that's one of the I'm trying to quash the fanboy in me. That's one <laughs> of the things that's so great about what we do is that you will have a chance to work with your heroes. Hmm. I know people say you should never meet your heroes. Bollocks. Sorry, that's bollocks. Whatever. <laughs> Easter egg. Working with your heroes is. And, and those Oscar James is such a lovely, lovely, lovely guy. And so the play was 2005. 
I still see him now. In fact, I've got to go around and see him before Christmas when I fix his, his iPads. <laughs> but he's a fantastic guy. I see Don Warrington at uh, drink ups every now and then. We have a good chat, good natter, and the feeling's still there, you know? So that was the, was that the first black all black cast? So you said on the West End, yeah. But, but presu- presumably, 2005. Presumably, was it the first all black cast in 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 the UK or just strictly in London? Or I'm not sure on that. But what I do know is that the event was covered by the national news media. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. It was huge. It's a fantastic play as well. Really, I mean. Kwame, thank you, mate. It's a fantastic play. I'm back. And we're back. Yes, you are. Um, but what I was going to ask actually was, um, when you're part of something like that, and that was 2005, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like obviously things have changed in the business, um, uh, in having more diversity, giving more, uh, voices a chance sort of, um, of uh, voices from other backgrounds, different ethnic diversities, and uh, to, to be able to tell their stories, um, and any and any other minorities. But sometimes I feel with some theatres, particularly in London, the bigger theatres, kind of uh, tick a box and don't really build audiences to bring back different people time and time again. For instance, like you'll have a show. And you'll have maybe a very, very popular um, actor of colour. And that's great because it brings a whole new different audience. And then the next play that's put on, it's kind of like, that's forgotten. And we're, maybe we're back to an all-white cast. Or maybe we're back to just one person of, uh, of colour or one, just one mm. female character or one person with disability. Is, is, that a fair, is that a fair opinion? Do you think is that is how how I see that um, in terms of theatres building their audiences? I would say yes, that is a fair opinion. You have got to bear in mind that um, in defence of these these theatres and places that, that that do operate that way, they will have the schedule already planned out way in advance. Anyway, yeah, so that's the way it goes. But as far as inclusivity and diversity is concerned, I can see um, change. I can see things changing. There still needs to be a lot more, but things are changing and things are getting better. And the argument for uh, casting and, and that, I mean, there's almost like too many factors to consider. Um, before, if you want to get into that, that arena sort of thing. But my take on all of that is if they was to look at it, this is just my, my opinion. 
if a character actually, if by whoever, then it is up for grabs. It's a fictional character. That character is up for grabs. If that character actually lived and breathed and walked the earth, then they should be portrayed as they were. Rather than, you know, like having a, a Caucasian actress play Anne Boleyn and not a non-Caucasian play Anne Boleyn. Mm. And I know it's, it's, it's kind of controversial and a lot of people won't agree with it. Some people will agree with it. Fine. But ultimate, ultimately, what we are trying to achieve in, in this business is truth. Mm. And as I said, if the person is, if they if they actually live, if there's a real person, a, a biopic, a real person, that that person walk the earth, portray them as they were. If the person is completely fictional, written by whoever, anyone. Mm. Absolutely, anyone. I think I think there are variables, aren't there? And um, yeah. I think like because sometimes you can have uh, real, real like real people. Um, so yeah, non-fictional characters you can have, but like in something that's like a work of fantasy. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, well, there, therein, as you rightly put it, there are variables there, but then a lot of them just come down to the choice of the director casting yeah that type of thing but there are lots of variables within that but as a yardstick if you're doing a biopic about margaret thatcher then don't ask beyonce to play her (laughs) um certainly make margaret thatcher more attractive um i think (laughs) i I think yeah but i'm yeah i mean biopics i can't i can't see I can't really think. I don't think really people have ever really done that. I've done like a like they're going to make a proper biopic about someone, but then get someone to play them that doesn't remotely sort of uh, encapsulate sort of the, the aesthetic. The only thing I could think of is they asked. I think that Zoe Zaldana played Nina Simone in the film. I didn't see the film. I've um, not seen it either. Uh, but there, I mean, I don't think many people have. I think as soon as that casting was announced, there was a huge boycott because. Um, she is where is Zoe Saldana from? I don't want to say it. I might get it wrong. Uh, she's somewhere in South America. Um, okay. But um, yeah, so there was a. I don't think many people did see it. Uh, the same thing I can think of. That's that's all. Film. I think with stage, like it's yeah, you can be a bit more experimental and you can be a bit more out there. And uh, as an audience member, you're asked to use your imagination sometimes. And some people are comfortable with that, and some people are not well yeah i mean you know there's a lot of there are you've hit the nail on the head there are so many variables to that i mean for one you're in terms of film you you're told or at least you're asked to go into a, a darkened room sit there for two and a half hours 
and suspend all disbelief and just enjoy what's being presented to you on the screen. Hmm. And then you'll get someone set there saying, oh, that's crap, that would never happen. <laughs> you, you do need to buy into whatever you're viewing hmm. it to, to some degree. You cannot sit there, have your cake and eat it and say, you know, oh, but, you know, Tom Cruise riding a train going off a mountainside and, oh, that would never happen. <laughs> That's why they're doing it. <laughs> do you get what I'm coming from? Though? Little things like that, though, you, you, you do need to absolutely, you know, come on, suspend all discipline. Just go and enjoy it. And yeah. Fine. I think I think it's that you know there's an element of that there's an element of entertainment and escapism, um, mm. and uh, and also I think what creeps in is sort of prejudices about acting as a job, even though people like well these are the same people who go to the cinema every week they will um, uh, you know subscribe to Netflix and all whatever and they'll consume all this stuff but at the same time like. Uh, uh, it annoys me. Uh, one of my bugbears is when someone says um, something like, oh, "This is more more towards women." Oh, oh, she's just she's she always plays the parts of she takes her clothes off or something like that, or she's always in her underwear, or she's always doing new scenes, or she's always doing sexy. Or they might say that about male actors as well. And I always think, not anybody can just do that. Like it is. Whether you're doing a stunt, whether you're doing a sex scene, wh whether you're doing comedy, like these things are not easy. Like I would say straight away, I would say though, uh, also in addition to that, uh, a lot of that is leveled at, at, at guys as well. And yeah, I say, yeah. I say at guys as well in terms of, um, oh, he's always got his shirt off showing his pecs. So he's always, you know, like, the camera hones in on these biceps and always glistening. So, <laughs> you know, so yeah, you, you, you are always going to get that. I mean, if some, I don't know, some actors or genres or what have you lend and they lend themselves better to whatever it is they're doing. I mean, if you're going to have a, Film about boxers, yeah. You're gonna have, you're gonna see shirt guys with their shirts off majority of the time. It's about boxing. If it's about some super spy who globe trots and sleeps with absolutely everyone and anyone, there is gonna be nudity in there at some point. On girls in underwear, blokes in underwear. I think I think people miss out, miss the fact that. Those are yes, we're watching we're watching characters on screen. They're played by real people who are putting themselves in vulnerable positions. Even even in comedy, people put themselves in vulnerable positions, or even in high it stakes, is, any any emotion they do. And I feel like that's taken for granted a little bit. It is. I agree with you. It is taken for granted because it is not easy to um, be even partially naked on 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 stage or on film. It's not. Mm. It's, it's not easy. It's and you've got to bear in mind that it's not the actor doing it, it's the character. The character wants the character has this 
need to peel off as soon as he gets into his flat and opens up a bottle of beer and then sits there and Netflix and shirt. Or, or, you know, I don't know many people who have showers fully clothed. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Mm. It absolutely happens. I mean, back in the day, back in the day, but back in the day, he's just up there on the screen. Mm. Great. And then Channel 4 went through this phase of putting like a red triangle <laughs> on everything. Do you not remember that? Channel no. 4 and I have like a red triangle saying, yeah, warning, this film contains unity. Oh, great, I'll watch it then. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But things like that, I mean, today have uh, almost like disclaimers in front of films saying this film oh, contains yeah. XYZ or, or more importantly, views that were of the era of the time yeah that, but which that's is great fine. Yes. i think that's great I, th- I think i'd rather that than they edit stuff like which is what some yeah yeah um broadcast services and streaming services have done like they've edited things i have a real bugbear about this i was uh i was at a comedy um workshop a, a few weeks ago and we were talking about we were just having a chat what can you say what can't you say what should you say and then we started talking yeah. about censorship and, um, well, talk about what things were being said 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 80s, 70s. Like, and the further back you go, the less sort of, I don't want to say PC, because I don't like that term, but the less people were aware of how things could affect other people, I guess. And, yeah. um, but I was, I, I was saying like, you know, when you hear stories about them re-releasing Roald Dahl books with certain words taken out, and it's like, if you, no. if, you, if you if you want to be if you want to be progressive, you have to see where you've come from. You have to see, otherwise it's not progression. If you can't eliminate history, you can't eliminate, um, you know, we've all been insensitive to someone in some way in our life. That's going to happen. Um, we all said something that's upset someone. It's all yeah. about it's all about intention. So if you're not intentionally trying to make someone feel uncomfortable or upset because of their gender, because of their sexuality, because of their politics, because of their religion, like because of their race, then you know you hopefully you learn from it <laughs> and become a better person. I can't. Absolutely, yeah. I can't. I can't. I, censorship is just. I, I hate it. I think it's. No, I, 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 I've always been of the mode of thinking that. You need to show a film in its entirety or don't show it at all. Yeah. Show the film as the filmmaker intended. Mm. You know, well, I'm not exactly talking about stuff like, you know, human centipede or, or what have you, but, <laughs> not but, you know, if something like that was to be censored, then you'd see opening credits and closing credits. And that's it. And nothing in between. But some people, some people dig that sort of thing. Not for me, but each their own. Yeah. Mm. yeah you've got, you've got to give everybody. You either give everybody the choice, or you don't, right? But certainly stuff like Roald Dahl and, and classic literature like that. Um, no, leave it alone. Learn from it. 
Don't repeat it, learn from it, but don't alter it to suit your own agenda. Yeah. Now, Rural Doll wasn't, I don't think, overtly offensive or went out of his way to piss off people. It's of the time. Mm. Great. Some things of that time are still relevant. Some things of that time have got no place where we are today. It's just a matter of what we're willing to take, what we're willing to learn and move forward with. And that's the thing, isn't it? Where uh, This is what concerns me about this sort of art that's being created today is are we trying to, you know, trying to create the perfect thing which is just going uh, to... For a start, you cannot please everybody and appeal to everybody. No, no, you can't, you can't. Um, and I, I feel that's where a lot of a lot of disappointment stems from today, the fact that it's impossible to please everyone. Mm. So some people are going to be displeased. But, but it always has and, been, that's the thing. Like it's the... Yeah... Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't make this perfect thing that isn't going to offend anybody because every, every look, everyone's got the right to be offended. Mm. Um, but just don't, I don't, I don't like things being, uh, I don't like people pointing at something and saying I don't like that, and because I don't like that, that means that that shouldn't be for anyone else. That's 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 what gets my goat. Art, art. And censorship just doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work with art. No, and you couldn't. You couldn't and do it with artists. You. Yeah, I mean, but, artists that were censored back in the day. Welcome to them. <laughs> it's, I mean, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> it will find a way. It will always find a way out. Yeah. Well, everything's cyclical, and I suppose we're just going through a time. In which um, everything seems to be quite microscopic, and I think you know the internet hasn't helped because of how fast news can travel and how communication is. Where miscommunication, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and people just you know reading headlines and thinking that's the full story, rather than not knowing what the full story is, but um. Yeah, I'm so proud. I'm kind of, sorry, I'm getting a bit ranty. I'm coming away from <laughs> the creep. Yeah, stop ranting. <laughs> <laughs> getting bitter. Um, let's flip it back to you, Gary. What, do you remember what it was like to have your headshots done for the first time? Yeah. Um, I think I still got them, actually, in my room somewhere. Mm -hmm. Or maybe in the, up there in the loft. They're in the loft. I've got a box with letters from Linda Bellingham and what have you. And my headshots are there, and I look about 14. Um, even though I was mid 20s, late 20s. Um, but they're, yeah, they're in black and white. They were taken by a photographer called Peter Simkin whilst I was still at drama school. Um, I've got an agent from them anyway, so nice. I got bits and pieces of the work from it. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. But yeah, headshots are incredibly important. Um, 
for obvious reasons. Uh, so you do need to find a photographer that is that knows what he or she are doing. Yeah, knows what they're doing for real. Yeah, incredibly important, and they're not cheap. No, it's not cheap. It's hard though, isn't it, to know when you're looking? Like, yeah, you can see a great photo, but there's a difference between a great photo and a great headshot, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guilty of choosing headshots that when I first started out were, I mean, a girl, um, what's her name? A girl called Rachel Taylor. I want to leave this out for me. I mean, I don't know if she's going to listen to this or or not, or what have you. But she said something at the time which stuck with me. She said, um, this particular headshot here, very good, very handsome, this kind of, um, great. But this headshot here looks like you can do anything. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> yeah, I won't say which one I went with. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you can probably guess. So, uh, yeah, it's if you haven't if you haven't your headshots done, a make sure you make sure ask around about the photographer that you're going to be working with. Mm. Do your background. Do your homework. Do your homework first. Talk to the photographer. Look at the website or that they have. See whether you like sort of thing they've done before with other people. Um, and then get as many opinions as you can on which one they prefer. Not necessarily, you don't necessarily do it in, you know, net today you can put it up on Facebook and it'd be like looked at by all and sundry and have you, or back in the day when you had the 10 by 8s with you, you go and sit in a pub somewhere and say, like, no, no, uh, or, or, or you'd have a con. I used to. I had a contact sheet. Contact sheet. Magnifying glass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was it. I mean, that's how we did it. Contact sheet with magnifying glass, and <laughs> and then you'd mark the ones that you really liked, and even some that I I actually remember using one of the one or two of them for like passport photos or you know, <laughs> or, or for a bus pass. That's what, yeah, that would do. Um, so. You look at them and then you order them from the photographer. He sends them to you and then you take them to one of these replographic places and mm. uh, visualize or whoever, whoever's about these days. And you get your 25 made or your 50. You get that with a letter and your CV off, off, off. And then fingers crossed. And you did that all the time, especially if you were appearing in a show and you wanted people to come and see it. So yeah, yeah. whether it's a, a, another agent or casting in particular, that's what you did. It was a routine. It was a labor of love. It was hard work, but nothing would happen if you sat on your ass and did nothing. So Yeah. Yeah, it makes it makes me laugh now when people are just like, oh, it's just, it's so tiresome to sit down and do emails. I was like, do emails? <laughs> <laughs> and we had a whole assembly it's line. Only, it's <laughs> only <laughs> assembly it's line only stuffing envelopes, licking stamps. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, yeah. And then having to take them to the um post office and 
they won't you 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 don't trust them to go in through a letterbox, so you take them into the place yeah, yeah. up behind the, the queue of people and their ages and but how else do you do it? Yeah, no, no, it's just funny. Like the amount of people you can contact in a day now compared to twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I used to. I had a couple of um, casting people who used to live quite close to where I live. Um, one was in Brisbane. I think she's still she's still there actually. Um, um, at the address that I know her to be at, I think he is still there. And I remember going round for a film called a movie called Shopping, I believe. Um, and I went round there and I just put my my photo, my headshot, my CV. And a nice little note through a door, and um, she must have liked that because she called me in for a casting. I'm like, <laughs> brilliant! But that was that was nice though. Other other casting people will probably see that as a bit intrusive. Yeah, which I I I completely understand where they're coming from. Um, I haven't done it since, so it was just one of those things. They just did on the cuff, and I, there was another casting director called Leo Davis, and I said to her once, um. Yeah, if uh, you supply the coffee, I'll bring some donuts. And she took me my word. And she called me in. So I remember stopping off at Tesco's to get some donuts. <laughs> and we sat down there with Leo Davis, eating donuts, drinking coffee, and talking about the business. And right, right, so right. Posted the films that she's been worked on on a wall, and it was awesome. That was, so these, that sort of thing, I did. In, in the first embryonic stage of this career, so yeah, I I don't do that anymore. It, now it's I've got a great agent and I will write to people. Or I'll create. So. Mm. Is there um is there a piece of acting you've seen on stage or screen? I mean, I'm, I'm when I ask people this, there's usually more than one, so it doesn't have to be a definitive one. Whatever comes to mind. But is there a piece of acting you've seen where it's been like? That that's it. That's what I want to sort of like. That's acting for me. That's what I was inspired to be as good at. Um, too numerous to mention. I will say that things like um, I I remember going to see a film called Heat mm-hmm. uh, when it first came out twenty odd years ago. What have you? And I fell in love with Heat and Gino, brilliant, De Niro, brilliant, Tom Sizemore, brilliant, Ashley Judge, fantastic. But for me, the person who who was just outstanding, Val Kilmer. Hmm. I've got his, this just stood up on the back of my neck now. His, his performance was, and in uh there's another film called uh Training Day. Yep. Denzel Washington. That last scene where he said Elegant Bay, I'm King Kong, I'll burn down this place. <laughs> oh. What it was for me, if I'm I think I'm right in saying that was the first time that he had played against that's another thing for you. Actors playing against type. Denzel did it in that movie. He got an Oscar because he was head and shoulders above all the other candidates. 
that's easy. Uh, Tom Cruise has done it in a film called Collateral. Yeah, yeah, I like Collateral. Outstanding piece of work. Mm. Man's great. He can act. Um, Even before then, he did it in a film called Magnolia, which is one of my favourite films. That's right, that's right. Yeah, it's a a nomination for that, from what I remember. One of the most depressing films anyone will ever watch, but the the entire ensemble on that. And I think you have to you have to up your game when you're in a room with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Julianne Moore and um, oh, I've got the other guy's name that was in it as well, Jason Robards. Like just yeah, these, these, just people that know their shit. Like you, you have to, <laughs> you have to bring it. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I remember stage-wise, I went to see uh, Othello at the Young Vic with um, Iago, played by Ian McKellen. Wow. 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 Humbling. Humble by that performance. Mm. Outstanding. Seriously. Uh, so yeah, you've got, for me, they are too numerous to mention, but there are moments in movies that your jaw hits the floor because that performance is so on the money. Mm. And, and, and you mentioned um, when you what were you starting out when you were growing up, like acting inspirations, there wasn't very many British people about. But um, so did, did you have any but more sort of American-based then. I think you mentioned Sidney Poitier. I don't know if that was... One yeah, of yeah, I mean, there was. I mean, everything was just movies, movies, movies. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, the slew of British films, the, the carry-ons and what have you. But uh, Sidney Poitier, for me, was... I've never seen anyone like him on screen before. Yeah. In, the, in a positive, affirming role. Never, because much, I mean, which is like we've come full circle now because a lot of diversity um, issues that propel diversity to come into force, a lot of those were in play during those, in in that sort of era. Mm. Uh, You know, if you're, if you're a black woman, you must be a prostitute. Mm. Yeah, if you're a black guy, you've got to be a a crook or a thief or. No. It, he, changed, he changed that, didn't he? he? He changed that. He shut some people up. He shut a lot of people up. He opened up a lot of eyes and, more importantly, hearts. And doors. And doors. And, uh, you know, his legacy lives on and being carried by a lot of actors of colour who are just Outstanding, seriously, it's so good. This is a very good time to be an actor right now. Yeah. yeah, very good time. How did the COVID pandemic affect you creatively? I've, I've got, I've got to admit, I was kind of excited by COVID first time round. Um, the lockdown, that is not the actual. Um. And after the first two weeks, I was like, mm. 
Um, it, we, I was working on some, some films that um, I was writing and still working on them now. And as I said, one of them is now, now pushing it to production. Uh, I got a meeting with Dougie next week. We'll discuss that further, but um, we've got some good traction on. I, I can't. I won't give away too much now, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have an announcement very, very soon. And this this movie will be massive. We've got um, John Collins on board, but I won't want any more than that. What's any more? Um. Yeah, it was just a piece, you know, in a, in a reflection, uh, frustration, uh, a lot of, pro yeah, we had one project which we gave to some guys, uh, to some producers to read and he was excited about it. He took it to his investors, but at that point, everything was shutting down. And so his investors said, look, we really like this. Um, we'd love to do it, but we've got six projects which are ahead of that, and no one knows what's going to happen this time next year because of the pandemic, because everything has stopped. Everything. I'd like, you know, actors, mates of mine, I was lucky I was working for um, a publisher at the time, um, but many of my mates who are actors and everything living off vapors of a bank account because they're just mm. nowhere. And then you get someone like the Rishi Sunak saying things like, all right, well, maybe you should all retrain. <laughs> and then, you know, take away video, TV, film, radio, music, audio books, Take away all of that, and lockdown would be unbearable for everyone. Yet, those are the first things people turn to. Mm -hmm. And to have that, you need actors, you need art, you need creative people, you need people with vision, you need people who are going to be pushing projects forward, uh, asking questions of you. You need all of that. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be. Uh, a ballet dancer and hear a comment like that and say, okay, well, maybe I'll go and learn to type. It's nuts. You know, this, this country is getting better in terms of, um, the quality that we, 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 we put out and we, we share with the rest of the world. Don't stem that flow by telling them to go and, you know, retrain in something completely alien to them. Give us a hand. Help us out. Nobody said that about sports. Say again? Nobody said that about sports. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, so, it's infuriating, but no, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think the you know, the government got their own problems at the moment. So, <laughs> so as the COVID inquiry draws up, so yeah, they got their own things to worry about right now. Yeah. 
there is hard. It's, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of the people I've spoken to so far, like a lot of people I've interviewed, although it's a very, very tough time mm. for absolutely everybody, and uh, a lot of people lost a lot. Um, yeah. I haven't yeah. noticed with creative people, there is a, there's sort of been a, a, a thread of something has come out of it. Though. Something has ended up being positive for them, the other side of it. Not during, but they either What's got been... into something else that they didn't think they could do. And I don't mean like retraining, I mean like something else creative. They found something. No, 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 no. no. I, 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 yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And in much the same respect, that's that's what happens here. Mm. I started to do a lot more, a lot more writing and things are moving 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 it was it was it was great you know it just opened up a whole new world and whilst i wasn't acting whilst there was nothing else going on at least i was being creative you know whatever i've got a box with pages and pages it's like notes ideas thoughts get them out of you and put them on paper otherwise you'll lose them can use them later, fine. But if you think it, get it down, put it on paper, put it away, come back to that later. Or it goes. Yeah. It's like wait, it's like having a fantastic dream. Um whatever dream you want, you know. Whatever dream you want, literally. <laughs> and waking up from that dream and wanting to go back to it and you can't. Hmm. But if you wake up from that dream and it's still vivid, it's still in you, jot down a few notes, you can revisit that and you can make that connection easier to get back into it. Yeah, I mean, I've got... Um, this is a folder full of scraps of paper which literally just says writing ideas on it. And it's just... It's either, I don't know, a line of dialogue, an idea for a film, a character, uh, a situation, just whatever. It all goes Thank in you. here. <laughs> and then every now and again, just get it out. And half of me goes, I don't know what the hell I was going on about. Um, I must sometimes... be drunk. <laughs> some, some of them are definitely like train journeys and bus journeys home after night out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, you're just so right. It's, it's so important. I can't stress it enough. I have forgotten too many good ideas so i've always thought i remember that remember that you won't write it down write it down absolutely got to what part of acting do you love research okay you're the first person to have said that i'm fascinated research 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 um, researching roles, research. Uh, all right, this is acting. This is performing. So, yeah, researching roles, researching ideas, uh, occupation of character I'm playing. Mm -hmm. Research that. It's you know, if you're going to play a policeman, and I've done, um, I grabbed an application form from Hendon. On, on becoming a policeman because that's what he would have done. Fill it in, look at it, think about it, questions. And in fact, the questions that they will ask you will be pertinent to whoever the hell you're playing anyway. Yeah. So why not do do that? 
little things like that. Find, find things. Speak, research, 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 and then forget it. Hmm. Let it go. Trust that it's there. Hmm. <laughs> Amazing. That's really. Do you know what? That's that is that's really sparked. Like that's such a brilliant idea. I've never ever thought of that. Like for any. For any job that your character plays, go and do an application for that job. That's that's such a brilliant piece of advice. Why would you not? Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's, you, you've got to be, you you need the, the character starts somewhere. Mm. You know, the, you know, sorry, I'll start again. The character appears on page one, what have you, or the age that we are now, fine. What have they been doing beyond that? leading mm. up to this point yeah you need to do that you can't just appear oh yeah blah, blah, blah. no do your background do your homework mm. research i suppose the immediate when uh, approach to play a character is like it's the story and it's it's all the emotion emotional points you want to hit i guess and, and do, so do you think maybe actors get too bogged down with that side of it um maybe looking at a script and going oh that's that's the big scene of this thing, or that's the, the big moment in this story. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you get many actors who will look at something and say, oh, I don't want to do that because he hardly ever says anything or hardly ever does anything or, or mm. he's got maybe three lines over, over four pages. But he's in the scene. He exists. He's mm. doing something. He's real. He... He's got, he's he got has history. Fears. Yeah, history. He has fears. He has hopes. He has dreams. You need, as an actor, you need to build every single one of those elements. You do, or when you appear on stage or film or whatever it is that you're doing, it's literally like a sieve. There's so many holes there. Mm. <laughs> you need. It's your job. To fill all those holes, yeah. every single one, everyone. That's beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. What part of acting do you not love? Well, I've got to admit, learning minds is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's. You have to do it, obviously. You have to do it, and uh, you've got to find your own way of doing that so that you're not continually paraphrasing. Um, you're not putting a, a, a line before another line because you're on stage, let's say stage or film or whatever, but you're opposite your co-star. It's your job to make your co-star look fantastic. Yep. It's your job. Right? This that must be what you must be thinking. I will do everything I can to help you out. Everything and anything I can to help you out. Give them the cues that they need. Bear in mind that actor is doing the same for you as well. Yeah. And if you've got two actors working the same way. Wow. 
<laughs> but yeah, learning lines is, I wouldn't say I dislike it. I do find it kind of, I want to say tedious for want of a better word, but um, an old acting teacher of mine, June Abbott, who's now also passed away, sadly. Um, when I first started working with her, she said, focus on the thoughts of the character. Focus on the thoughts of the character and listen to what you're being told and the words will follow. And she was absolutely right. Absolutely right. So I, I I do try to learn the thoughts of the character, which will um, help massively with the actual learning of the lines. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love that. Mm. Now, Gary, do you have a funny or cringeworthy audition story? I went up for... Uh, Lion King. Oh, wow. That's what I said. Wow. Well, that's the Lion King. And um, I, at the, at the time, I was working for, I was, I had a job that I was, you know, because you, you can't, there's no way I could sustain myself. It's, I just can't, I had to work. I want to keep money coming in. Anyway. I was doing so. I threw a sticky. I said, "Oh my, my boiler blew up, or whatever it was, and the plumber's coming around." And so I went down to uh, Drill Hall on Cheney Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there for many yeah. auditions. Yeah. Yeah, went down there and uh, rocked up at about half eleven because the audition was for midday or thereabouts. And I said to the woman, I'm, "Hi, I'm, I'm here for my audition." And she was like, Gary Lawrence. Nah. Like, no, what do you, what do you mean? No, I've, my agent told me that your agent told you the wrong day. Your audition is for tomorrow. Oh no. Right. So I, and bearing in mind, um, that I was a freelancer and as all freelancers will tell you, we only get paid if you're actually in the office. So me skiving a day, you know, plumbers or what have you, and then having to sky the following day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, did you go back for the audition then? Uh, I did, and it was just as crap. In fact, I enjoyed the, the previous day. <laughs> and it was no uh, yeah, it was it was awful. It was just I, I've seriously I've walked in some audition halls and rooms that if you listen very very carefully, you could hear my sphincter just close up tight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm like, and I'm like, best poker face, but at the back is going, 
<laughs> crazy. But yeah, I've, I've yeah, I've had some crazy. That that one for me is one that really stands out. So, come on. How can anyone be 24 hours early for an audition? Come on, man. <laughs> That's nuts. Oh. Yeah, that was that. And how have you how have you dealt with rejection over the years when it comes to doing auditions? Um, I used to... I've changed a lot as a person. I used to uh, really take it quite personally. I was not very. It's quite weird actually because this this job is. Or rejection. I've been rejected like ten times more than I've actually been offered work. All the time. It's just the way it is. You think, you know, you know you're shooing for that XYZ role and you're perfect for it, your age and everything, but they want a name or they want someone who's done more than you. And there will always be someone who's done more than you. There'll always be someone who's done less than you. But You know, you, you see the job and, yeah, in your mind's eye, you've already spent your first week's money. You've already, you've already met him or her or you've already, you've already read the reviews. <laughs> and then you go to look. So I, I, I very quickly just got that out. Just, just drop all of that. And my approach to auditions now is that I will do them. I will do them as though they're the last thing I'm ever going to do, mm. ever, and then forget them. Yeah. Move on. It's not my problem anymore. I've done my bit. If someone likes it, mm-hmm. someone likes it, they call me. Fine. I, I've had some uh, auditions whereby I didn't get it, didn't get the job, but the... Uh, people auditioning, uh, in particular, I'm thinking of the whole truck theatre company. I've written an email to my agent that's just like, wow, they fall out of me. I still didn't get the job. Yeah. You know, it's so someone might like what you're doing and put you straight in. Someone might not, you might not be a good fit. It might be a case of, okay, I can't ever see a guy like him dating a girl like her or, or dating a guy like him. These that I can't, I can't see them together as a couple or because the children look more like her and I can't see where he, so therefore we can't have him. We're going to bring in him. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely happens. And like, it's just, once you've done your bit, once you've been given your sides, you, you, you've done your research and you've, <laughs> you've learned your lines and da da da, you, whether it's been filmed or you're in their office doing it with them or opposite them or however it's going down. Once you've done your bit, that's it for me. I, I, I walk away, go and do something else. Uh, and I've got lots else to do, but I forget about it until I hear about it. going back, going back to that uh, Elmina's Kitchen job in two thousand five. The mm. play, 
I went up for that cast. I was told about that casting maybe Wednesday the previous week. They sent me the script. I read it, obviously, and uh, learned the scene that they're asking me to do. I went in to see them on a Monday. I did my did my casting audition with them, and they and when I finished, they were like, "Oh, thank you very much, Gary." And uh, we shall, we shall let you know. And I'm like, okay. No, no, she said, no, we will. We'll, we'll let you know by Wednesday. So I said, okay, Wednesday. So as soon as anyone gives you that sort of uh, marker, you, you make a note and fine, Wednesday. And, and Tuesday, okay, nothing. Wednesday, nothing. I was like, yeah, well, forget it. Nothing at all. Thursday, fuck all, nothing. Friday, it was long gone. Friday, long gone, right? And then I received an email about two, three in the afternoon from my agent. Call me, call me his agent, call me his agent. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's up? You know, what about You immediately thought I was in trouble for something. <laughs> what about them? Um, that casting that you went up for, I mean, kitchen, they love you. They want to offer you the role. I was like, mic drop moment. Because I'd forgotten it. Mm. But there you go. There you go. That's the job, isn't it? The job is auditioning. It's auditioning is, it's tough. It's a job in itself. It's a job in itself with so many variables that Sometimes you get right, other times you're so way off the mark. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, so just got to get on with it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and um, do you have, like, a preparation ritual to, before you do any acting? Is there something like, are you superstitious at all? Or... No, not really. He says as he pushes <laughs> the road from the black cat coming the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not not suspicious. Uh, suspicious, sorry, superstitious. I not really. Just get on with it. Um, I, I try as much as I can. I won't overdo it. I won't overwork it because it's much like no. If you overwork it, it's just it's, you can't form anything because it just formed it in I like on a percentage level I will go to 85% and the remaining 15% I will find 10% of complete on the day inspiration mm. and the remaining 5% is completely down to the gods <laughs> You know, I was doing a a casting at you know, in some hall and just around the corner from Tottenham Court Road for uh, Netflix. It was for a Netflix film about Cleopatra. Big production. And I'd done my work, done my homework, and I went in there and I actually, no, I actually did a self-tape beforehand, sent it in. A couple of days later, I was asked to go 
you speak to them going and do it again, what have you. I went in there and there were some workmen in the building next to me that were drilling. And I stood up there and about to speak. All I could hear was <laughs> And that's the five percent that the gods have given you. I can't want to do that. <laughs> Mr. Prep guy, deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't, you cannot legislate for that. You can't. (laughs) There you go. Didn't get the job anyway, but they did like me. (laughs) And um, what, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started? It's all going to be all right. Don't fret, don't sweat, don't give yourself a hard time. You will find a point that you can redeem yourself. It's going to be all right. Just relax and get on with it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. And is there is there a, is there a piece of um, is there a piece of like acting advice or direction you? you've received that you that's never left you that's that's stayed with you um this is not related to acting this was before i was uh 18 and working for the um ministry of defense i was a clerical assistant sort of thing I was with the RMP, Royal Military Police, and there was a guy there called um, Colonel Heath, I think it was. Yeah, Heath. He was funny. Uh, military humour is just brutal. I remember I got something wrong, getting a couple of things wrong or what have you, and he came and he goes, Gary Lawrence? You set a low standard which you fail to maintain. I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> uh, but obviously, he meant the opposite. But it's, it's, just, it's a great quote, and it's <laughs> it was so um, appropriate for where I was. Hilarious. But uh other than the just uh just relax. Hmm. Relax, say the lines. That Oscar, Oscar James kept telling me that all the time. So I've got tears in laughing. Uh Oscar James tells me that a lot. Just relax. Relax. And it is incredibly important to relax before you do start to work. Um, you feel, I personally, I feel in a better place. Uh, body feels better. Um, yeah, just, there's no, it's, you know, you're rushing to, to get to where you're going and you arrive there. And you're bringing all of that journey in the room with you. Mm. Just make it, you know, sometimes it's beyond your control, cancellations of transport, 
you what have you that happens we know we know it happens but do everything you can to get there as early as you can even if all you're going to do is sit in the corner and wait and look at your shoes for an hour mm. relax yeah absolutely relax take your time relax and it'll be fine and because i want to get uh i think you know being in the british industry but um it's quite um contagious to be quite self-deprecating about oneself and i'm trying to get out our great community out of that so i would like you to um say something you're really proud of in your creative journey so far that you've done oh uh, here's a question <laughs> it's i'm proud of all i'm 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 especially proud of being a of of being a part of Elmina's kitchen, I've got to say that right here, right now, purely because of of the of the depth of feeling at the mo of the moment, and of how it was received by press, mm. how we had sellout after sellout, you know, for three months it was solid, three months. Um. I'm proud that I was an understudy and I got to go on as many times as I did from watching, just, just watching, watching the actors. We had our own separate rehearsal schedule. So we were away from the main, the main crew. So we were brought in as and when someone, Kwame had building commitments or, or Sean was ill or Michael was ill, so I, I stepped in at the last minute, and I was ready to step in at the last minute. Be ready, absolutely be ready. I I have a go at myself because I will sit here and say to myself, okay, I've got to, I'm gonna really fine tune that American accent and do all, all of that sort of stuff. And and then I'll think about it again three weeks later, and I'll be like, I've just lost three weeks there. So I've stopped doing that. I will do things now. Mm. Do it now. Do it now. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Do it now. So I'm I'm I discipline myself. I won't give myself a hard time because I believe there are way too many people out there who are better doing it. To me than I am, and would happily do it. Um, but I do pat myself on the back to reassure myself that I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Because yeah, it's the funny. You know, I used to I used to date this girl that um, I I guess I was when I was doing my. Um, my stage and what have you and she was with me I enjoyed seeing my success through her her reaction rather you know it's it's. I, I lived that way it's much the same way as a parent would enjoy the success of their child doing mm. XYZ I, I, I did it that way because my work is my child yeah yeah I get that and I will 
you know, if things would have happened to me when I come out of drama school, great, great. Um, it didn't happen right away. It happened in drips and drabs and stops and starts and what have you. And I told myself that when it does happen, when it really starts to pick up, I will nurture this thing like it was a child. Mm. I will love it, give it all the love and attention that it needs to succeed, to grow. And that's what I'm doing now. And it's, it's not like, okay, I'm going to stop at age 40. I'm going to stop at, uh, it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Yeah. Because I'm looking at my next project over there. And that's how I keep myself grounded. Yeah. Well, it's very important. I think that was, that was lovely to listen to, Gary. Thank you. You've been such an absolute joy and an inspiration. And um, thank you so much for giving up your time. Um, Dude, dude no, no, it's not a problem. As I said, I'll send you an invoice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, I think what you're doing now is awesome. So yeah, it's keep doing it, bro. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's purely for my own selfish reasons. I love chatting to people about creativity. I love learning from people. I think, you know, everyone, what I keep saying is like, this is a podcast for people of all levels to learn from people of all levels. Um, we've all got something to, to give mm. to each other. And I think, you know, uh, Going back to my, my very first guest coined this beautiful phrase, which was, uh, and that was Katie, and she said, uh, community over competition. And I just, that's it. That's the key to all this. But I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this, uh, the way I end all my podcasts, which is the questionnaire made famous by Bernard Pivo, who inspired my favorite interviewer, James Lipton from Inside the Actors Studio. So, Gary Lawrence, what is your favourite word? Fuck. <laughs> and what is your least favourite word? Um, work. <laughs> and what turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Good ideas. Really good organic ideas. And what turns you off? Bullshit. <laughs> now you might have already answered this one. What's your favourite swear word? Bollocks. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Laughter. What sound or noise do you hate? That's screaming. Yep. And uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Yes. I'm pretty good cook, so yeah, chef. Okay. And uh, what profession would you not like to do? Uh prostate checker. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the holy gates? Mr. Lawrence, you're way too early. Get back down there and do some more work. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Indeed. Right. Th thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it. Bless. Oh, I owe you a drink. Um, yes. <laughs> a large one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, man. Thank you. You're nothing but lucky. You're 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 a wonderful person and an inspiring yes, creative. And um, this has been such a such a joy. And uh, yeah, I hope to catch up with you next time I'm in in town. I'd love to, mate. Love to. Just name your day and I'll be there. No problem. Huge thanks again to Gary Lawrence there. I don't know what more I can say that I haven't already said on this podcast about him. I just love that man. I met Gary in 2010 um, as part of an acting class with an LA acting coach. Um, which had a huge impact on my life for many reasons. Um, some of it good, some of it bad. And uh, Gary was just unforgettable from that time. And that's the good part, by the way. I watched him day in and day out be vulnerable. I watched him be funny. Watch be serious, and I I saw him wear his heart on his sleeve. It's never left me. I when I think about that time, sometimes it makes me cry, um, because I was so moved by what he did. I should have told this to you, Gary. I don't know why I didn't mention it <laughs> when I was interviewing you. I guess it just I just got caught up in all the other great things we were chatting about. Um, so I guess this is my way of saying you. Uh, had a huge influence on me so thank you and um, it was an honour to talk shop with you yeah just just brilliant thank you so much if you've enjoyed this podcast if you've uh, if you've come to it for the first time please listen to the other episodes everybody offers something different and everybody offers such great inspiration and uh, the whole point of this thing is just to reinforce that, you know, we're not alone out there as creatives. It is hard, but it is fun. Uh, we're learning all the time. We are in a position to help each other. And we should be promoting that. We should be promoting that togetherness and that community. And, um, yeah, please tell other people about it. And uh, please get in touch. Email me don't think act podcast at gmail.com if you've got any feedback if you want to be interviewed if you've got a cringe worthy audition story um or if you just want to say hey i'll take a hey so thank you thank you thank you everybody for listening and um, as always stay creative